So welcome everyone. Good to be here again. Wake you young. Good to be here. Um, I was kind of torn between several topics this morning and uh, yesterday I was, <laughs> do what? Right, right. So I'm going to pull a pastor and we're going to do a two-hour Brazilian session, but no. Um, this is going to be a two-parter, so we're going to take part of this, and, and there's some, some, some passages in here I'm not going to touch on um, that this might show up later in some form of a, of a writing or, or something. Um, as most of you have probably already heard, over the last few weeks, um, we have gone through some unexpected and sudden changes in our household. And uh, I'm going to touch a little bit on that because it speaks to what I want to share with all of you. Um, this walk that we're all in is continually a refining and challenging walk, to say the least. And it's not easy. Uh, there's times where we know exactly what God is doing in our midst, and there's other times where we're like, have no clue, or we have just a minimal, minimal idea of what he's trying to do in us. And this is going to be more of a, a very uh, personal teaching this morning for all of us, and really just to get us to think outside the, the, the norm of the way God moves, because as I've been studying the topic you see in front of you, it is a learning process. <laughs> and so much of what's going on in our world um, and, and in every, every aspect of it, from Washington, D.C., all the way down to the state level, the local level, governments, um, churches, this, this, people are being led by someone or something. And as saints... God's chosen us before the foundation of the world to be holy or hagias, and he's set us apart, and he's predestined everything in our lives to take place the way he sees fit. Everything that we do has to be filtered through those last two sentences. And, you know, people, we can easily look through lenses that are skewed, any of us. We are not um, exempt from looking at things from a carnal or humanistic viewpoint, you know, but we, we know that God's, God directs us to allow His Spirit to lead us in every aspect of our lives. You know, so, so, much, so much of that, and it's, it's learning, because it, what happened before we came here on Thursday was an absolute, it absolutely blindsided me with, with um, getting a call to, um, from my employer and saying, this is your last day, we're laying you off. <laughs> and right one day before, we're coming to visit you guys. So, and I just kind of let the cat out of the bag. But yeah, that's, that's one of the major things that happened. And my first thought, I had no idea this was coming, none. Um, now, as I go back and I, as I reflect and I think and I look at some dreams and different things that have occurred over the last many months, there will probably be a thread 
in some of those that would indicate I, I gave you a full warning that this was coming, but so many times in a, in, in a dream or a vision or whatever, or, or a revelation or insight, you have an idea of what God's trying to say, but sometimes it's just a very, an inkling of the full picture until things start to really unfold, which is, you know, part of the musterion and, and, and the unfolding of the, the mysteries of God, and, and those mysteries are not just church-related, there's mysteries He has for us as individuals and as intercessors. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go in reverse order here and rewind to give a little more details. So everything's going great, you know, been there two and a half years with the company, enjoying um, uh, working in the education sector, uh, wasn't traveling near as much, so that was a great benefit there. Um, and on on a, about a, a week ago, I was on a Monday, I get an email from one of our directors that says, hey, we need everybody to, if you're out doing a, uh, what's called a go live, doing some tablet deployments and things like that, if you're out, we need you to, we need you to change your flight and come back early Wednesday morning, uh, be, be, be home Wednesday night. And that has never happened in two and a half years. So that was red flag number one. What, what's going on here? Something important's coming. Nothing ever crossed my mind that it was going to be a, 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 you know, a, a layoff. Now, I had, no, I had known that some layoffs had occurred previously, but I knew the workload that was ahead of us. We had already mapped out all, all the way into the end of the year. Everything was booked with uh, doing um, um, deployments of, of different kinds. So I thought, man, everything was secure and safe. Boy, was I wrong. And so that was Monday, and, you know, we're preparing, um, getting ready, and the company had released a couple of weeks prior that they were changing the, uh, the uh, time off policy. No longer were we going to have to accrue time off, but they were going to give us unlimited paid time off. And so, man, that was great. They even gave a testimony you know, at, at, at the church a few weeks back going, man, this is coming, this is great, I'll be able to... Uh, Take time off and plan it out ahead. If you know if I need to be on a trip, I can be there for three or four or five days and then come back and go to work. So, man, I was thinking all these different ideas. Boy, was I wrong. So I'm just saying all this to know, you know, it. You never know what's going on. Well, you might think you're secure, you're safe, and 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 it can really throw you into a tailspin if we allow it. So, Thursday morning at 9 a.m., no, excuse me, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, I log into this, it's a Zoom call, mind you, because uh, I work, I'm a 100% remote worker, and so there's other people, I know the director's on there, and one of our HR representatives is on there, and I went, my heart started to sink, so I started to know, oh boy, this is huge, what is going on? And so, one of the supervisors got on there, and you started reading the legal stuff. And immediately, the second sentence was, as of today, you will no longer be employed with this company. As of today, at 10 o'clock, by 10.15, my salary that I had was totally stripped out from underneath me. A good one, mind you, at that. <laughs> and my heart was in my, my toes, my, way below my stomach. 
in my toes, and I just could, I was, the first, I was stunned, shocked, could not believe it. And at that moment, I started to think all kinds of thoughts. God, where are you? What are you doing, man? I just gave a testimony a few weeks back, all the, and, you know, all these thoughts. And so I sat there for just a few minutes. Trish was at work. She went to work that day to do some things at school. And her mother was in the, the living room, and I just, I walked in, and I, I looked over at her, and I said, um, if Trish had been home, I'd, I'd have talked to her first. I said, I just got laid off. And her mother was like, what? I just, just couldn't believe it. And I bring all this to, up to say, you know, God's leading a lot of times. I, I didn't, I didn't reckon, I, you know, immediately I start thinking, well, the enemy tried to do this. That's my thought. Not necessarily because we, we know that God directs everything in our lives, right? The steps of a righteous man or a woman are ordered of the Lord. So whatever happens, it's part of his leading. Now, I know there's times where the enemy is intruding and he's trying. That's a different story here, but... A lot of times we are prone to think, oh, this is enemy-driven and we're going to bind and loose, and we're actually trying to bind and loose something that is being led by the Spirit of God. We just don't recognize it as that. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, but... Um, so I accepted that this was his leading. And so that kind of started me on a study that, I, that had already begun. See, he was kind of already leading me in this direction. It started out with a teaching in a, in a dream, um, a, a teaching I did on lost. People are either going to be lost or led. There, there's not going to be any kind of a gray area. And we have to believe that God is overseeing every facet of our lives. And he's working all things out. For our good, because we agape Him. All things means even when this thing happens, that just absolutely just blindsided us. And so my journey in the Scripture is taking on a new uh, flavoring, as it were. And um, I'm looking at passages and verses that have deeper meaning now than I've ever known, but it is a learning process. And that's why I've titled this, Learning to be Led. And, you know, right now, politically speaking, people are being led around by all kinds of voices. Principalities are fueling a lot of what's going on in our political realm at this point. And people are partnering with demonic forces that are just, they're beastly. They are just gross beasts that I know are God's allowing these things. It's part of prophetic time frames that God said is predestined to happen. And again, you can't bind or loose that. It's going to happen. Isaiah prophesied it. He said darkness is coming. And then he said gross darkness is coming. But the light of the Lord is going to be known on us, right? So we focus not on the gross darkness, but on the light that's going to shine upon us. And if darkness is coming, then it makes sense that light's going to uh, expose anything that's in the darkness and repel it. 
So rather than, you know, getting all wrapped up and we all do this and we can, we can, we can get ourselves all bound up mentally just by the things we think, you know, like I, I could have, and I still every now and then, you know, the enemy will come and say, you know what, you, you know, you don't have any, you know, your money is stripped away. Just like with Job, you know, he's accusing us. He's saying this and that, but I trust in the Lord with all our heart. It's easy to do it when there's nothing to really trust for, okay? But it's really when, you, when you're in, when a, when you're in a, a, a deep pit like Joseph. Imagine Joseph. We're, you know, that's one of the things at the very end. Joseph is, is an example of being thrown into the pit. And he could have easily, and I'm pretty sure he's human like us, thought, well, Lord, you've, you've abandoned me. You know, the, well, the enemy threw me into this pit. But no, no, God directed every, his steps, and he's directing ours. It's just we have to really see things from his perspective and not our own. Because we're not our own. We're his. And so I started studying in the, uh, the Old Testament a couple of Hebrew words that I have there in front of you. Naha and Nahag. And each one of them has a similar meaning, but they're, they're different. It's like they're adjectives that add to being led. So we're going to look at both of these sporadically through here, and as we go through, um, I want you to think about the, the, your, your walk in the Lord on a personal level, and think about all the transition and times where things were changing, and think about the good and things that are not so good, the unpleasant things too, because that's part of the all things for our good. <laughs> we just don't like to look at it that way, but, I, but we are growing tremendously during those time frames. And we'll, we'll touch on later in the message some, some really interesting things that um, Jesus himself walked through and gave us a pattern. So na'ah means to guide or transport, and it's used 39 times in the Old Testament. Now, I like this word transport because it has a, it has a varied meaning to it when you look it up, and it has the idea of Carrying, moving, or conveying something or someone from one place into another. Really, really gives a picture of, of when you're talking about being led, you know, and, and we know, you know where I'm going, we're, we're to be led by the breath of God. And as we do that, we're labeled, we're, we're identified as sons. It didn't say, you're, oh, you're a child if you're led by the Spirit or the breath. It sons, which is... Uh, totally different, you know, we, we begin as a child, we, we need to develop and grow into being a son. And that's something that's developmental, and most of the church has not a clue. When you start talking about it, they immediately start going, well, hey, when I was born again, as pastor would say, I was a son then, right? No. You, the power is inside us to step into being a son, and that's totally different, becoming something over time. And in that, you learn a lot of new things, and, and, and especially in this case with me and Tricia, God's leading us into this. He's led me in this pathway, and I don't necessarily like it because, you know, there's parts of me, the human parts are going haywire on the inside going, how are we going to do this, Lord? I'm your provider. Trust in the Lord. All these verses are coming, and I'm like, okay, yeah, but how are we going to do this, Lord? I mean, I'm just like, just like Moses, you know, when, when he came to to Moses in 
he was led on the back side of the desert, not on the front side, not on the side, on the back side, the very back side. But all, in, in that environment, in that place of dryness and sol, uh, uh, aloneness, was the meeting place with God, the mountain of Elohim at Horeb. What would you, I mean, how could, so you talk about knowing the depths of the heart of God in a dry, solitary place, away from everything, it's in the desert, on the backside of it. And he's, he's really alone. He's got the, the, the Jethro's flock with him. It says he led the flock of Jethro there, but he's all alone back there on the backside. And I, I, Moses, you know, we, we kind of look at him, you know, I do, and think, man, he didn't have to face anything that we face today. You start thinking these things because it really doesn't give you a lot of details, but it gives us enough to know that we're going to be there. And while we're there, we need to know that the mountain of Elohim is going to be a meeting place with God in a very dry and solitary place. That's what we need to think about, but we, we don't. Our mind immediately starts going off on doubt and unbelief, and the enemy comes in, and he starts telling us all manner of things. Oh, you've missed the boat. You know, you're not even near the boat. You're not in the boat. The boat's not here. You know, all these different ways of thinking, and before you know it, you're, I mean, you're your head spinning, going, well, Lord, are, are you really in this? And you start to doubt, and, and the whole garden uh, is, is happening all over again. It really is. It, it's a picture of the garden in the beginning. How he, you know, it's hard to conceive how he got Adam and Eve to, um, to take of the forbidden fruit, but, I mean, we, we eat of that tree quite often ourselves, if we're honest. <laughs> he comes to us in the same way, and we just don't need to bite on what he's offering. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit I miss the mark all the time with that, especially when things are not going as well as we'd like. You know, i.e. this morning, we're on the way here and something happens unexpectedly and it's like, oh, you know, you start getting in the flesh and thinking all kinds of thoughts. You start thinking, oh, the enemy trying to jump. So learning to be led. Now, there's another word we're going to look at, nahag, and it means to, to drive forth, uh, to lead or carry away, and uh, it, it's translated a lot of different ways, but 10 times it's translated as led. So in, with these two terms, we're looking at how God guided and how He directed and how He carried and transported someone or His people from one locale to another. Um, and in that, this is a very, very, um, um, we should all be able to identify with this in some way. And if you're not in a place where you're on the backside of the desert, you know, I'm glad you're not there, but many of us are. We're, we're on the backside of that desert, but know that God is meeting with us and he's showing us his heart in new ways. And we're, we're, we're being able to feel and sense things inside his heart for that time frame. And we need to capture and learn everything it is that he's trying to teach us. And sometimes he uses a, um, well, we'll get into this later. There's, a, there's an instrument that, that's used to prod the oxen to get them to go into action. And I, I know that that's symbolic for us too because he will prod us with that same instrument and get us moving forward, okay? So 
The first instance I've already kind of touched on with Moses, he led the flock to the backside of the desert. Now, we're going to go straight into the next section, and this is where Elohim led the people through the way of the wilderness. It doesn't say he led them around it. It says you're going through the wilderness. In Exodus 13, verses 17 through 19, it says, And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God, Elohim, led Nahad them, not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war, and they return to Egypt. But God led the people through the way, and the way there is Derek, that roadway or that pathway that of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out, of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn to the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you will carry up the bones away hence with you. So this is the way God moves. He got, God's going to lead us into places like this. And we, we, I'm not going to go back and teach on the wilderness, but the wilderness is directed by the Lord for us. There's no way around it. I mean, we Nobody likes going out in the middle of the desert, okay? I've been to Arizona. Some of you have been there, and it's 115 degrees. It feels like the wind that's blowing is like a hot blow dryer that you ladies use to blow dry. I'm serious. It's crazy. There's nothing. Well, there is growth in the wilderness, but it's not really appealing. It's not a place that I just think all the time, hey, I want to go visit the desert, you know? It, um, it's just not a place we want to go. So there's purpose in the desert. We just have to look at it from God's perspective. And he tells us that there was another route that was near, right, going through the, uh, the, um, the land of the Philistines, but he did not go that route. And he even told us why. Because the people, whenever they saw war, they would, they would want to go back to um, um, bondage, go back to Egypt. Why would people, well, why don't we want to do that? We do that today. Egypt represents a lot of things for us. What's your Egypt? What's mine? It's the thing that you were bound from or freed from that you want to go back and be bound by. It makes no sense, but we, we can go either direction. God wants us to be free in Him. And the way to freedom is to know what binds you and let His Spirit free us from that, whatever that might be. Now, I'm not going to go into a bone teaching here, but this is part of the new the Bone Collector series. He took the bones of Joseph. Very interesting. I mean, it, he said we have to take these bones. Um, so my point here is God led them. The heart of God led them in, through the wilderness. God is leading us in whatever we are facing at this moment, whether it's good or we don't see it as not so good. Um, this, this thing that happened was not of our choosing. <laughs> but I have to believe that this, is, this did not blindside God at all. He knew this was coming. Right. I mean, it, 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 we, it, uh, it's not a curveball. You know, it's not a slider. You know, it is what it is, David. It is what it is, right? That's David's, David's famous words. 
Just go with it. And learn, because he's always teaching us. Everything we face is a teaching moment. Something we can learn further about him and his ways. Because I, I know that there, there will be things in, in, in this experience, however long it lasts. Pray to Jesus, it's short-lived. That's me, of course, but I mean, the length of it, we really, you know, it's, it, he determines it all. Um, and this is, this is the second time we've been through this. Um, and I do have to say, this time around, it, I'm not near as um, concerned as I was before the first time around, because I've been through it once. Um, and many of you have been through layoffs, but it, it, it's not pleasant at all. Um, but I encourage all of you to learn to trust the Lord no matter what you're facing. Paul learned contentment with the things that he faced. And he, he knew what it was to abound. He knew what it was to be abased. He knew what it was, meant to feel buffeted by satanic Satan himself. But he knew that grace was going to help him overcome. And that's another key is grace will come to elevate us above whatever it is we're facing. Now, let's take a look at some instances where Yahweh is leading them in the pathway. Now, there's a lot of these in here that I could have put, and I've, I've put several. And this um, is in the same chapter in Exodus 13, verses 21 through 22, and it says, And the Lord, Yahweh, went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them in the way, in the derrick, in the pathway. So we have to know that the plan of God is involved in this leading as well. This is part of the plan of God for us at this specific time. Everything, and I mean everything we go through in this life, in this walk, is Father-filtered. He will not allow anything that is going to cause us to be defeated or to cause us to fail. Now in that, though, our human nature comes into play here. We can fail ourselves, but God's intention is never to bring us to a point of failure, nor is He going to forsake us. All the things that we face are in our mind, and, and then the enemy gets in there and tries to make it worse. So we have to strip all of that away from our thoughts and go, okay, God says, I know the thoughts I think towards you. Thoughts of peace give you an unexpected thoughts of peace, give you an unexpected end. He doesn't think in a twisted manner. We get twisted up all the time in our thinking. His thinking is absolutely perfect, and that's why it's so critical all through these years that God's always focused on relationship, relationship, relationship. Because as we intercede spirit to His spirit, his breath invades our thinking, invades our whole being, and we're led by His Spirit. Now, when we step away from that, we're more prone to be led by our own directives and our own thoughts and our own feelings and emotions. And boy, when we put, put emotion to things, we're going to be all over the map because they, though our emotions will mislead, mislead us in the wrong direction. And... Um, so here's, here's Yahweh, and no, notice 
Notice how he's leading them. He's using unusual um, displays or manifestations of guiding his people. He uses the pillar of cloud to, to naah them in the way. And then not only that, but there's the, the, the pillar of fire to give them light um, through the night. So there will be unusual ways that he's leading us. And it's different. It's, it's, it's going to be, there may be times where he leads you in, the, in a similar way, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be different most of the time because he doesn't want us to be dependent on, on God doesn't have just one way. I mean, you study the scripture about the ways of, of God. Just when you think you've got him figured out, he's going to go, okay, I need my people to walk around this, this place seven times. You know, you're going to get tired, wearied, exhausted. And on that seventh day, I'm going to ask you to do something. And then people will do it. They lift up their voice and the walls come down. That's, that's one instance where that occurred. Every time God brought a victory, it wasn't, oh, march around it, shout. But a lot of people, you, that's what they do. They say, oh, God, you want me to do this every single time, right, to see the victory. No, he, he moves differently. Here's, here's an instance with it. In Deuteronomy 4, 26 and 27, um, it says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you shall soon utterly perish off the land wherever you go over Jordan to possess it. You shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. And the Lord will scatter you among the nations, and you shall be left few in number among the heathen, whither Yahweh shall lead you. So Yahweh's leading his people even here. Now, we don't have time to go into every little verse, and, but, but the, the whole point of it is, that the plan of God is leading his people continually. Deuteronomy 32, verses 12 through 14. So Yahweh alone did naha him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him to ride on the high places of the earth, that he may eat the increase of the fields, and that he made him to suck honey out of the rock, <laughs> all out of the flinty rock, butter of kine and milk of sheep with fat of rams and rams of breed of Bashan and goats with the fat of kidneys of wheat, da, 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 okay. So you get the point here. Yahweh is leading his people, but, you know, he adds this thing in here about us not having any strange Elohims with us along the way. He does not want us partnering with other demonic um, entities that would try to um, utilize our desires to pursue him and to walk with him uh, along that pathway. And there's, there's instances like, um, I mean, just right now, if we use the uh, political arena, it's so easy to just get, just get really upset. And, and we should, there should be a righteous indignation going on. But all the chaos and all the voices that are in this world just seem to rise up. New ones every single day. And it can be easy to get inflamed in a bad way and just start firing off we got to remember that our words have tremendous power and weight when we speak. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that eat the fruit thereof. I mean, so we want to speak life with our words, not death. We don't want, you know, releasing anger or, or anything like that with our, with our, with our words. Um, but Yahweh alone, the plan of God is directing every single one of our lives. On a personal level, he's leading the church the same way, or he wants to lead the church the same way. So when he says, I want my house to be a certain way, 
That's what he means, right? He didn't say he wanted his house to be a mega church. He didn't say he wanted his house to um, be a den of thieves or robbers, right? I mean, he said, my house shall be called a house of prosciutto. What does that mean? Well, we all know what that means now. It's not just bringing a laundry list up here and, or stacking up five pallets with a bunch of prayer requests on it like Benny Hinda. I'm sorry, I should, that he's done in the past. I mean, that's not, what this, that's not what prayer is. Prayer is that part inside all of us that's been activated to intercede and pray in tongues and in diversities of tongues. And as we do that, we're uttering and speaking mysteries And he's revealing those mysteries through us on a personal level and on a corporate level through the church. It's very, very, but we didn't know this stuff. We didn't realize that. You know, we we did the same thing that most people did for many, many years where we just prayed in our own language, you know, started bellyaching God. You know, we we didn't know we were wearing him out, right? According to Malachi, you're wearing me out with with your many words, right? He said, don't be, when we pray, don't be like that. Don't be like the hypocrites. They stand out in public places and think they're going to be heard for their many words, right? No, no, that's not what that's about. He said, when you pray, you enter into your closet. And it was so cool at the, uh, the house, the new, uh, where our vacation was, in our, in our room, we had a closet. Man, you could open the door and go in and shut the door. Same principle. It's, it's like you find a place where you can go in and get away from everything else, close yourself in, and then in that crypto, in that secret place here inside us, then I'll start to commune with you. And then as you do that, your reward, I will make sure that there's rewards given out. You don't have to focus on, oh, well, what am I going to get? You know, that kind of thing. That's humanistic thought. God says, I'm going to, if you're a person that goes in prayer like that, he's going to give you open rewards. You know, the, the, the Pharisees and the, and the leaders of the day, they, they thought they were going to get their rewards based on all the things that they did in public for people to see, and it's, they already have their reward. You get the, the pleasing of, of men and women around you, but I, we want the pleasing that comes from our shutting ourselves off and communing with God spirit to spirit, and then he get, gives us rewards. He doesn't even tell us what those rewards are because he knows it's probably not a good thing to get that specific with us. So we just have to reckon, and part of it is discerning and learning what those rewards are. That's part of the walk. Um, I hadn't intended on saying any of that, but that, that does apply here. I just lost the internet. Okay, I hope I can still. That's okay, there it comes. Yeah, Nehemiah. Now, this is a, a, a long passage here, okay? We're going to read through it, and it, it, it has some some powerful things, so... In Nehemiah 9, beginning in verse 12, it says, Moreover, thou leadest, or Nahad, them in the day by a cloudy pillar and a pillar of fire to give them light in the way. And, uh, and I put in parentheses, they are, God is going to use situations like this and lead us in unique ways. They are very, very tailored for each of us, and they're always going to be unique. Wherever you go, And then he says in verse 13, Now came down upon Mount Sinai and spake with them from heaven, and you gave them right judgments, true laws, good statutes, and commandments. And you made known unto them the holy Sabbath and commanded precepts, statutes, and law by the hand of Moses, your servant. You gave them bread from heaven 
for their hunger, and you brought forth water for them out of the rock of... How do you, I mean, just these, these concepts alone, bread from heaven, water from a rock, and you promised them that they should go in to possess the land which you sworn to give them. But they and our fathers dealt proudly. They hardened their necks. They hearkened not to your commandments, but they refused to Shema. Neither were they mindful of your wonders that you did among them, but they hardened their necks. And in their rebellion, they appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But thou art a God ready to pardon. Now look at that. You see the quick transition over to this is what the people chose to do. You provided all these supernatural things for them as you're leading them. And then they decided they wanted to go back into bondage. Now, I, that, now, before we quickly just kind of think that's crazy, let's think about this. Have you ever been delivered from something and tried to go back to it? Now, I'm not talking about possessed. I mean, been set free from something and you, and you find yourself kind of trying to retreat back to it? That's the same principle. Same Egyptian principle. Or you've caught yourself being entangled by it again. You thought, oh man, that, that thing that, I, that was iniquitous or twisted in me, I thought I dealt with it. And, and you did, but now it's trying to crop its ugly head back up again. And So that's the principle that I'm saying here. The things that they encountered, we encounter today. We cannot understand the New Testament without, without having a, an understanding of the Old Testament. There are people today, and there's this one guy, I'm not going to mention any names, maybe I will, um, he's got a massive YouTube following. And he didn't think we should go, we can't learn a lot of things from the Old Testament principles. And I'm thinking, you, they're, they're types and shadows of what was to come. And on one hand, he'll say that, and then he'll say, but, you know, there, there's some principles that we can learn. Like, he's, he's totally against tithing, because that was, an, that, was a, that was a law-based thing. And so, I kind of digress here, but I'm, I'm talking about the bondage thing. So, we just need to let the Lord guide us and lead us and recognize it's Him. And it says, they refused to obey, neither were they mindful. But thou, God, are ready to pardon, gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and we can all be grateful for that, and of great kindness, and forsook them not. Even in the midst of them going back to bondage, not remembering the bread from heaven or the water that came from the world. How is that possible? <coughs> Our book of remembrance, remember us doing all that? It's, it's so we don't forget what God has done in the past that can propel us moving forward in the future and encourage all of us to go, He's brought water from a rock. He's given us continual daily bread as we've committed to prayer. He's done all these things for us. And it's always a good exercise to remember what He's done. Because right now, I'm, that's, that's what I'm trying to do is go, God, you, 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 you did a miracle here. You did this, 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 and this. You're going to help us here. You're leading us, and I know you're going to bring it to pass. Help us to recognize it and help us to continue interceding and not give up. Because it's so easy to throw in the towel. It's so easy. I mean, you, every one of us could say right now, you know what? We've been doing this for 20 plus years. I'm tired of this. I'm done. And we can walk out the door. God would still be with us, maybe not to the same degree or level, but we could all choose 
our own pathway and go, you know what? Well, we could even convince ourselves that, oh, I think the Lord's leading me into another pathway here. I mean, there's, there's a myriad number of instances where we're going to look at some where, where God allowed the people to choose their own pathway, and then as a result of that, things started to kind of go out of, out of kilter, and things started to really happen that God never intended for them, but it was not His choosing, but it was the choosing of the people. And that's what's going on here in, 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 in Nehemiah's day. And then in verse 18, it says, Yea, and when they had made them a molten calf and said, This is thy God that, that brought, us, brought us out of Egypt and has wrought great provocations, yet thou in the manifold mercies forsook them not in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud departed not from them by day to lead them in the derrick, neither the pillar of fire by night to show them in the way in where they, they should go. Verse 20, Thou gavest also thy tobe, Ruach. And now to put the question there, I don't know if this is on your sheet. Why was Tob Ruach given? To instruct them. Then the word for instruct there is the call, and it means to be circumspect and to be spiritually intelligent. His Tob Ruach in the midst of this this leading. And that's what we need to rely on, his tobe ruach. And it's always leading us in a, in, in, it's always perfect. It's always his eternal, perfect spirit that is within us. And he was whole, he doesn't withhold manna from their mouth and he gave them water for their thirst. Yea, 40 years did he sustain them in the wilderness. Man, that's a long time. I mean, we've been, we, we're not near 40. I mean, as far as our walk here, we're, we're getting close. But that is a, that is a ton of manna. I mean, you think about the volume of it and, and the, 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 the water coming out of a rock for that length of time. And we even talked about the shoes not wearing out of the clothes. I mean, that is remarkable. We need that anointing, right? Us men, really, we treasure that one. I, at least I do. I wear clothes till. They have holes in them, and I keep wearing them. But he gives his, his, his toe ruach to instruct us and, and, and to help us, give us intelligence, and make us a circumspect, uh, circumspect people. Uh, and then it says, here it is, So they lack nothing, their clothes wax not old, nor their feet swell. <laughs> How does that, I mean, that is, an, that is, that is a miracle, miracle. Um, Moreover, thou gavest kingdoms and nations, and you did divide them into the corners. So they possessed the land of Sion, and the land of the king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king, uh, king of Bashan. What's, there's some names there. So the point here, again, is Yahweh's eternal plan is leading us in everything we face in this life. Always look through those lenses. And that's, this, would help our, this would help our nation. This would greatly help Washington, D.C. But not everybody's thinking this way. Not everybody's viewing things from a Christian worldview like we do. And it's so apparent too, right? I mean, we, 
So not only are we learning to be led by His Spirit, we're learning to see how other people are led too, how governments can be led um, at every level. And it's, it's, when you look at this in that vein, from a governmental standpoint, it can be very discouraging. But even in that, God is still directing everything. He knows everything. It's not up for... We, we need to let God do His, his part. I, our part is to be an intercessor, to pray, intercede. Let, let God be God and let the saints be the saints. And, and there, we have responsibilities, but a lot of it, He has more, much more. And He can do it perfectly. And, we, and, and, and I keep hammering this home because it's so easy for all of us to allow our thinking to lead us. And if we do... We are going to suffer a lot of pain. <laughs> well, I was just going to say that um, if you allow yourself that level of trust and belief in the plan of God for your life, it actually takes the pressure off of you having to strive toward some goal or aim. Because I think that's where a lot of stress comes from is the things that we try to accomplish or the things that we think we need, you know, like some goal or some, you know, if you have ambitions or whatever, you feel like you have to meet that or you're, you're failing or whatever. And that can be on so many levels. That, that goes across the board in any area of your life. It doesn't have to be just in your career or whatever. Mm -hmm. But to me... As I began to learn how to just accept things that were happening in my life that were not positive, because that's usually where we start striving and saying, oh, my God, the enemy is trying to stop me because I'm so amazing. Um, the minute you decide that, that the Lord is putting these things in your pathway, it, it's, to me, it's a relief because I can trust in the fact that he's going to, just like, you know, you've got... Uh, J here, you've got A, and you've got D. Um, <laughs> e, F, and G, here we go. But, you know, you're a parent. What are you doing? You're overseeing the things that your children are doing. And there are times when you tell them no. There are times when you say they can't have this, or there are things you're doing, but they don't see any of that. All they know is, I want to go do this, and you're not letting me do it. But it is, it's the parent <laughs> that's overseeing that. To me... That's their safety net. That's what's keeping them alive. That's what's preserving their, their own lives. Well, that's what God is doing with us. And if you're not, you don't know what that job has going forward. God may be saving you from something. Exactly. That's, you don't know what he's doing in your life regarding that. I mean, Joseph had that dream. He didn't know what that dream really meant. He didn't know any of the details of that dream. And he, didn't know, he had no way to bring it to pass himself. But I bet you the first thought when he was in that pit was that, well, I guess that dream's not going to happen now because I'm in a pit. Or I'm in bondage. This is the pit. No or I'm in prison for 15 years. You know, this is not being over my brethren. You know, this is not whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what you're talking about is so spot on for where the saints are because accepting the plan of God is our point of strength. 
Because we're exactly. not striving in our minds. We're not striving and worrying about our future, you know? So I, mm-hmm. I anyway. No, yeah, you're, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a, what was the word you used? You said... Um, I used a lot of words. No, uh, you used the R word. Um, well, I used some R words, too. I was thinking, you, know, you said, oh, what was it? Um, I can't. I can't think of it. But anyway, I was thinking another word. Uh, there's uh, there's a release uh, oh, yeah. of being. Um, we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. Our life is not our own, but we still want to own it. <laughs> you know. So when we can relinquish that, that's God's. It's his. It's his plan, and he will tell us pieces of it along the way. I mean, he's, he's not, I, I, don't, I haven't known him to give out full chapters of that plan to me along the way. It's been a little here, a little there. I mean, that's the biblical principle, right? It, it's not uh, a massive piece here and a massive piece there. And he did let me know five years in advance, every little thing is going to happen. It's going to unfold as a mysterion. And, and a lot of times we don't think of the mysteries of Thales as personal thing, but we have to. It is a corporate or church thing, but it, think of this on an individual scale because it can revolutionize the way that we think and the way that we view things because we're all prone to want to make stuff happen on our own, and, not, and God's not even in that. So, Pastor Larry. Yeah. Um, we're talking about freedom and going back to the bondage uh, and Stacy was talking about really spoke to that concept of, you know, your bondage represents familiarity. It represents you know what's going on. Freedom represents unknown horizon. It it represents uncertainty, uh, and this is why our trust in the Lord because He is our certainty. But you know we have like Joseph's dream, but we don't know how we're going to get there. So there's a certain amount of, of, of challenge to, to our uh, security in our thinking. And so we tend to gravitate back to those places that are secure. I know what's going to happen here. Even though it's not been good, I, I prepare myself, brace myself for it. But this freedom is like, now what do I do with myself? And, um, you know, this is where knowing who God has made us to be in, in that point of intercession. We are intercessors, first of all. So we stay there. And in that, you know, we're prepared for the unknown. That's exactly right. I mean, great, great points. Now, I, I think... Say one thing. Yeah, it's go not ahead. freedom from responsibility, though. You know, by saying, because I do let go, and I'm not going to strive, but... I'm not going to forego my responsibility either. Yeah. There is a difference in those two things. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah they're, that's a good, good uh, point, too. They're, yeah, we, we all have responsibilities. God has called uh, each one of us to fulfill certain, and we just have to find out what that is. And I say fine because sometimes it's not always readily known. It takes some time to figure out who, who we are and who he's made us to be if he's chosen you before the foundation of the world to be saintly, and then he's predestined you also to fulfill his will, what is that? How do, how do, how do you know 
the purpose that he has for your life? Well, it goes back to prayer. You intercede, and as you intercede, that mystery of, of your identity on a personal level and your responsibilities, he will start to reveal that. And as we continue down that pathway, he just starts to continually share a little more here, line upon line, precept of precept. Here a little, there a little, and you, and, you, and you start to put the pieces together, and you see it. Um, now, this is a good point here that this is the message that I, I, I had prepared to. I thought this was going to be the morning message, so I'm going to just kind of condense this part real quick because it applies. Two weeks ago, before any of this stuff happened with uh, the, the layoff, um, the Lord directed me to... Some, in some unique ways through a dream and through another encounter to kind of focus on what, what he looks at. And, and we, some of this we already know, but he took me specifically into Isaiah 66, verse 1. And I bring this in because it speaks about Yahweh looks to this man. You want to, you want to gain the eye of the Lord and have him look in your direction? There's specific qualities or characteristics that he looks at. And Isaiah said in, in Isaiah 66, verse 1, Thus saith the Lord to Yahweh, or Yahweh says, not Simon, The heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where's the house that you're going to build for me? Where is the place of my rest, Manuka? For all these things my hand has made, and all things have been, saith Yahweh. But to this man will I look. This is not on your sheet, by the way. To this man will I look. And the Hebrew word look there is nabat. And it means to scan and to look very intently at something with, with pleasure, favor, or care. Incredible. He's getting ready to tell us what he looks at, the plan of God. Number one, someone that is poor. And this aligns with being poor in spirit, recognizing that we are absolutely destitute and in need of Him to be able to function. It has nothing to do with finances here, nothing to do with money. That's not there. And then he says, also, someone that has a contrite spirit, there's the contrition, and the third thing is someone that is trembling at my word. And so I'm guessing based off what he knew was getting ready to take a following week, he was kind of preparing me in a way of what was to come, even though I didn't know what was coming. And he says, I'm looking at you. You know, I recognize that you, you know you cannot do this without me. I've identified you as someone as poor. I've identified you as someone that is contrite. And I've identified you as someone that is, you tremble at my word. You really are just... Um, Someone that loves it, and you want to you want to hear my word, and and when you not only hear it, but you want to do it. So, I just encourage all of you. You want God to look at you. You want Yahweh to direct His eyes in your direction. Let's keep doing this. Let's continue to remain in a state of poorness, contrition, and trembling at His word. He cares for all of us. He does immensely cares for every one of us. And then as he, as he continues going through that Isaiah 66, he comes to verse 3, 
And he starts talking about this concept. He says, he that kills an ox is as if he slew a man. So these verses are like, I'm going, Lord, these seem, and you're talking about killing, okay? So, and he brings up sacrificing a lamb as if it's like cutting a dog's neck. He that offers an oblation is as if he's offered swine's blood. He that burns incense as if he's blessed an idol. So he's using these abominable acts in the midst of this, of what Yahweh's eyes are looking at in a person. And notice these are inward qualities, nothing external. He sees deep into the recesses of people. It's part of that crypto. It's an internal. If you're trembling at, at his word, it's internal. If you're contrite, it's internal. If you're poor in spirit, it's all internal. God does not view things on the outward appearance like we do. We're going to touch on that a little bit later too, maybe. Samuel almost missed it because he looked at what? The outward appearance. Oh, this is the guy you've chosen to be the, the next um, person to be over your people, right? And then Yahweh says, no, 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 I don't look that way. I'm glad God doesn't look at my outward appearance, you know. I mean, some of us outwardly may be a little bit less hefty than others. I mean, thankfully, God doesn't look that way. He didn't go, oh, well, they're a little bit overweight there. I can't, oh, I, I can't look at that. You know? He doesn't do that. We do that, but he doesn't. I mean, it's, he's totally different than us. And then, then as he talks about these abominable acts, the killing, the slaying, the swine's blood, and all this, he turns and he says, you have chosen, yea, they have chosen their own ways, their own pathway, their own course of life, their own mode of doing things, their own course of action, and their soul delights in their abominations. He brings in the soulish part. That's what we've been talking about. Their soulish part was, is inclined or desires to do these abominable acts. Now, these are a bit extreme, mind you. Uh, none of us are going out and wanting to take, um, cut off a dog's neck or you know, anything like that. No, it's, it's really extreme. But he, he's, trying to, he's trying to bring in a point to show, here's what I'm looking for and I'm looking at. Here's what people can choose to do. Here's what some people delight in, but in any turn, and then I, you know, I, I, I started talking about Samuel here, so I'm kind of getting off the topic, but Yahweh looks at something, but he doesn't look at the outward appearance. Never judge things by the outward appearance. Never. When we do that, you should immediately go, oh, God doesn't look that way. Yahweh's not looking that way. And if you are, you don't, don't try to... Don't try to go, oh, well, the Lord's leading me. People do that all the time, and they use God's name in vain, and they say, God's not leading. Because you, you can't tell me that he wants you to saddle up to someone that's considered an infidel, right? That contradicts Scripture. That's how we can ardently say, do not engage in this relationship, because if you do, this is what's going to happen. And then people start getting all haywire because they're just so emotionally attached. And, oh, well, you know, this person here, I can, you know, they're, they're, even though they're an atheist, you know, I can, I can, you don't know that they won't come on to the other side. Well, you're already violating Scripture, so don't go down that pathway. Don't even engage because once the emotion, human emotions start getting attached, that's when the separation is so hard. 
I don't know why I'm hammering this, but we, we, are not, we are not choosing our own way. We're choosing His pathway and His, His plan. All right, so let's get back over to... Man, there's so much there. I may, I may just share this as an extra later on. What? Oh, it's time, right? Sorry. Uh, Annette's giving me the finger up there. The teaching finger. She's aiming the, the second finger. Okay, so I think it's a good stopping point, right? Since I've seen, you know, the Dr. Baker long pointy finger there. That's what it reminded me of. Is that a clock? I can't even see the time there. Okay. Okay. Any any last final comments um, before we end? All right. Thank you, guys. Blessings.